Welcome to the Rural Insights Podcast, where we explore rural actions and policies that impact Michigan's Upper Peninsula and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you'd like to learn more about Rural Insights, visit ruralinsights.org. Now, here's your host, David Haynes. Hello, everybody. This is uh, another edition of Rural Insights Podcast. And uh, today we've got a very special guest, a friend of mine named Jim Haveman, who has got a long history as a public administrator and leader in uh, state government. He uh, was also a member of the NMU Board of Trustees most recently and a former uh, head of the Department of Community uh, Health. Uh, before that, under a governor, what used to be the Department of Mental Health merged into be called Community Health. So ran for a long time, one of the largest adoption agencies and other, other social services called Bethany Christian Services. And before that, at Project Rehab, which uh, was in Grand Rapids and was director of Community Health Mental Health at Kent County Government. So he's got a very solid background here. So, Jim, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for inviting me, Dave. I appreciate it very much. So, Jim, you and I have talked about this, and, and uh, you just finished a gig writing a review and a report for Northern Michigan University about how their student mental health services were, were organized and what they were doing and wrote a report of what how to do that. I'd like to talk about that, but I'd also like to say what what – Talk about the stress that in, in K-12 and in universities we're seeing on mental health for young people and some of the causes that's out there. Sure. Uh, I'll give I'll give Northern Board of Trustees and President Schilling uh, uh, credit for uh, determining that. Let's, t- let's step back and take a look. So I was asked in April this past spring to take a look at the mental health needs of Northern Michigan University students. And I interviewed about 40 people, faculty, students, and let me tell you what I found. I found students telling me that they have less friends now than they've ever had before. Uh, they feel a sense of anxiety and stress about school and culture and the future, and they don't necessarily know where it comes from. Uh, they're, they're feeling disconnected from people. And, and part of that is a lot of the student organizations and a lot of people just weren't meeting but COVID certainly took its toll, and uh, and people were just yearning for those connections again, and uh, to get involved in church activities, to get involved in school activities, to get involved in organizations, and 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 many of them were missing those last couple of years of high school or college experience and orientation and meetings, and so if you start taking a look at the data, you know you take a look at maybe seven thousand kids at uh, Northern. Maybe one out of three, uh, two out of three have have some kind of underlying stress, anxiety, coping issues, uh, and and only about three hundred are seen through the organized counseling system at Northern. So, what can be do more to to improve access and improve services to the students at Northern and the faculty? And and that's basically what I took a look at, and I made some specific recommendations to the board of trustees and to the president. 
So, Jim, hey, just before we talk a bit more about the Northern Report, because it seems to me what you wrote could be a model for universities all over, what uh, this has impacted uh, K-12 also. How has social media impacted mental health, uh, the use of iPhones, cell phones? And you well, see in, in some way, it's a, in some way, the technology has been a blessing, as you know, in teaching and education and Zoom and research and using Google and having the world at your fingertips. But it's also been extremely dysfunctional when it's come to forming relationships and learning how to talk. I mean, I talked to some teachers at Northern who, who sometimes in their freshman classes are just telling young people to put their phones away and just sit across from the table and say, hi, David, I'm Jim. How are you today? How's, how is your week going? And just to have that level of conversation, which I think is, is really important to do. And, and kids are really yearning for that, that one-on-one type discussions. And so we got to use technology. We have to be careful with it as well. So is, uh, what were the recommendations that you made Northern, that, that you suggested that Northern implement, and they did implement too, I see? Well, one of the things that happened, I was, my report was supposed to be done in August of, of 2022, but I got it done a, a, a month and a half because President Schilling uh, determined that she was going to take uh, uh, Abigail White, who was the director of the social work program, and kind of put her in charge of health and wellness and put her in the provost office. So that really accelerated uh, getting ready for the freshman class. So we could impact uh, uh, issues of orientation and giving students an awareness of what's available. Uh, One of the things, as you know, as a professor at Northern is that crises often happen after hours, not during the school day. And so they needed a better crisis plan for public safety and the university on how to deal with crisis. So they've done that. We had an expert come in and kind of help the university redesign its crisis response plan, plan particularly after, after uh, school is done during the day. Uh, we talked about access. We talked about uh, awareness. We talked about integration of health and mental health. We talked about timeout rooms. We talked about better case management when counseling refers somebody on that they actually follow up with that person. We talked about student organizations, students being aware of what organizations. We talked to the campus ministries to include them. So there was a lot of, there was about 24, 25 recommendations in total, and you can catch them all on NMU uh, edu slash wellbeing, and you can see the whole report. I lost you. There we go. We're back on. Uh, that's my fault. What, what is going on? Is it in terms of recruiting and placement of mental health workers at universities and schools? And, and uh, is it difficult to find the, these workers um, in, in the mental health arena? Let me tell you, there's a real sh- uh, shortfall of, of social workers and counselors and psychologists. And as you know, in the UP, there's not many psychiatrists, but I think telehealth has, has made a big difference. And uh, we've recommended specific use of telehealth. And I think the university is using more of it with students and backup consultation than ever before. But, but you know, there is a social work uh, department at, at Northern, but uh, they are great jobs. Uh, they just started an addiction specialist program in the UP at Northern. So uh, as you know, the Rural Insights and the Center for Rural Health uh, 
are doing a lot to expand the needs of rural, ha- uh, rural health and the demands, but one of the things is workforce. And uh, Northern should be producing those students to be in the workforce. So that could be from a coding to managed care to counseling to administration and, and leadership, the type of courses you're teaching. And uh, I think those are all important to, to bring together much more unified and more seamless approach to mental health services in the UP. And part of it is the integration with healthcare. Mental health is a, is a health issue. Substance abuse is a health issue, and we still have them two separate. And I think we got to bring them better together. Jim, uh, for, for mental health services across the board in Michigan, is, 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 are most of them covered under the health plans and the Michigan program and the other private health insurers? Well, pretty much so. And I, one of the recommendations I made uh, to Northern that there should be, there should be no students that that does not do not get health care or mental health care because of an inability to pay. I mean, there is a certain maybe fifteen percent of the students at the top end who don't have any health insurance, and they should not be denied services because of that. The university should 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 step in and pick up the tab on that. But often, private insurance, a healthy Michigan plan, and others uh, will cover reimbursements for health care. And Northern, you know, has a pretty robust uh, health clinic. And, uh, and one of the things that they're doing is hiring a, a PA to work more with athletics uh, because athletics, as you know, is a world in and of itself. And there are five, 600 students involved in there. And they have a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure on them for success, which can often lead to challenges. And I think to have a, a physician assistant working directly with athletics as an extension of the health office is, makes a lot of sense to me. Talk a little bit about the Michigan Healthy Plan. I think I got that title wrong. That you helped, that you established uh, in state government, and and talk a little bit about what that is and how it serves rural areas as well as. Urban. It's, it's it's probably been a real key in this state, and since 2014, adults, uh, people over 18, up to 65, who are make. You can be a family of four and make up to sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, and you can be eligible, or you can be a single person working a job and make up to thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars a year, and you can get part of the Healthy Michigan Plan, and you can get your health coverage. It's not only immunizations, but outpatient hearing aids, but also inpatient hospitalization, and over a million. 28,000 Michiganders now who are adults who reached that are in that criteria now get health care. And as you know, because you represented the hospitals, this has been a real benefit. I mean, the the unpaid bills at hospitals has significantly decreased 50, 60 percent since the Healthy Michigan plan. And now uh, outpatient programs and physicians and rural health clinics are willing to see adults because they have some health coverage now and they don't have to eat the cost. So it's made a big difference. So right now, uh, Michigan only has about five or 6% of pe- people in Michigan who don't have health care or are not eligible for health care. And that, that makes for a healthier state. Uh, and it, and it's, uh, it just makes for a better economic climate too, because there are many businesses that can't offer health care because of their pay schedule, but now they can get health care through the Healthy Michigan Plan. And you can do it by just going to the Healthy Michigan Plan. You can ro- enroll right online or go to the local Department of Health and Human Services and they'll do it for you. Or, or many of the federally qualified health centers. And, and tell us again what the income level is. Well, back then, I think it's I think it's a family of four. It could be $60,000. And 
an individual can make up to 30,000. So, so, but it, it, it offers that basic security of healthcare. And I think that's made all the world, because uh, we always covered kids under 18, but never adults, but now adults are covered. And this, and this would include mental health services. It includes mental health services, also includes substance abuse services. And as you know, in many of our rural communities and uh, uh, opiate addiction, uh, alcohol addiction uh, is a real challenge. And uh, we're blessed in the UP to have Great Lakes Recovery Services and others who are providing those services, but uh, but but when there's coverage that goes along with it, it just allows the budget to go further to offer the type of care that people deserve. You know, one of the other vulnerable populations uh, that uh, I'm a veteran of the uh, United States Air Force and Rural Insights. We've published a lot on this. Is is veterans, and it's 22 a day commit suicide. Um, uh, of veterans and, and active duty. Uh, and in the UP, we of course have, have uh, the uh, Oscar Johnson's Hospital and Center in, uh, in, in uh, Iron Mountain. And we have the uh, Jacob Eddy uh, Veterans Center at, uh, in, in Marquette and other communities. Any special words on, on that population that, that you've seen or insights? Well, I've been impressed, uh, and I and I share your concern. You know, suicide is the second leading cause of death on college campuses. I mean, uh, first is uh, I mean, it's it's accidental death. Suicide is second, uh, uh, and and cancer is third. I mean, it's 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 something that we got to deal with. And one of the recommendations I made is that for Northern and, and suicide and mental health, let's talk about it. Let's let's normalize it and. And, and I don't want to normalize suicide, but I want people to feel comfortable to talk to somebody about it. And, mm-hmm. and we got to do a better job with veterans. And I think the administ- current administration is doing pretty good in regarding, you know, they're, they're updating the Jacob Eddy Center, I think. Uh, uh, I think there's more outreach. I mean, more counties are getting millages for veteran services. I think veterans are seeing more peer groups that they can go to. There's calls. There's more aggressive outreach. And there's people like you who are veterans talking about it, that it's okay to get help. And post-traumatic stress is a real issue that's treatable. And, uh, you know, I just think we have to talk more about it and, and, and provide better access to people so we don't make it so complicated for people to get help. You know, one of the great things that Northern has is uh, a guy named Mike Rutledge, uh, known to veterans as Sarge. And he, uh, he is the Veterans Student Services Coordinator on campus, spent 20 years in the Army, and it's a place for veterans to go, sort of just what you're describing, and he can help get you to a place, yep. whether you're at Northern or not, for treatment or sort of help you find somebody. And, uh, among veterans, this is called the buddy system. It's checking on a buddy, uh, as the Veterans Administration calls it, you know, reaching out and he does that institutionally. So, and I've been, I've been really impressed with uh, some of the student org, for instance, the student organization at Northern has one of its pillars for this uh, calendar year is mental health. I mean, they, we have to have more like the kids are saying, don't, don't have a discussion about bipolar disorder at four o'clock in the afternoon, have it at 11 o'clock at night and in the woods uh, dorm. And, you know, and so I think they're going to be doing that, 
to, to bring in the peer support where students are talking to students. And you know that veterans like to talk to veterans. Why don't we have more students talking to students? And I, and I think sometimes they, the institution gets away out of some natural supports that happen on a university campus. Well, Jim Haberman, thank you for doing this. It's a privilege to have somebody with your experience and background uh, and service uh, to this state join us. And uh, I hope to do another one with you uh, soon about uh, those of us who are concerned about public administration and uh, some of the court cases that are going on that place some real problems on getting people to become public administrators and their risk. So for all our viewers, we're going to have Jim on again about that because he's been very active in that area. So thank you, Jim Haven. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, David. And I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to the Rural Insights Podcast, brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you enjoy our content, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting ruralinsights.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.